podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. And welcome to Across the Pond Sports Podcast. Back um, to review uh, the divisional weekend and look forward um, to the uh, championship games this weekend. It's big games coming up. Myself and Katie will be talking about them all and all the biggest stories um, of the week. Who's been hired? Who's been fired? Um, who's going to be refereeing the Super Bowl? Um, and a couple of retirements as well this week. Um, kind of sad, um, but a bit of a change of the guard at the same time. Um, you can get us on social media as always across the Bond Sports Podcast, Facebook, Instagram, at ATP Sports Pod on Twitter. Um, you can also now get us on Clubhouse. Um, Katie's been going on about it long enough, so I finally got into Clubhouse. Big shout out to Hannah Wilkes for, for hooking me up uh, with that. Um, if you haven't already catched our NBA show from Sunday, um, that has got Ryan and Tyler Small, um, who is from South University. Um, great show. Um, some great insights um, Tyler brings uh, to the game. Um, and it's a really good podcast. I, I urge you to listen to that one. Um, Across the Pond NHL podcast, our other podcast, is moving along really nicely. Um, they've got some really good things going on just now. Um, so please um, feel free to have a listen to that as well. Um, Lee, Josh and Chris um, start looking at actual games um, and looking at the start of the season and how well that's gone. Um, so please do give them a shout. Uh, but for the moment, enough shout-outs. Let's go on with the show. Just had the divisional rounds, championship uh, weekend this weekend. It was big, Katie, um, in terms of the games. Uh, we're going to go into them in more detail later on. Um, but first, what I want to do is just touch on, guess, the win margins. We had Hannah Wilkes from Sky Sports NFL here in the UK on last week. Um, and she didn't fare too well. Um, and neither did I. Um, you got three from four. Um, you bossed it. Oh my gosh. You know what? Even a blind squirrel finds a nut every now and then. I <laughs> I thought for sure Hannah would win. I I felt I mean I feel like I was right siding with her on all of them. I can't believe I won. You did it. I, I was shocked also because I kind of thought I would <laughs> <'Cause> win. Uh, <laughs> the Saints let me down. The Bills um the Ravens let me down so yeah um yeah not too happy anyway <laughs> well and you know what before we before we you know since I know we're going to talk about this too but at the same time like we kind of thought like well you know the Saints it's not like they've had that bad of a year I mean like I picked the Bucks to win but the Saints beat the Bucks twice earlier in the year so I think that it's not like you were picking the I don't know the Washington footballers or anything, you know, anything outrageous. What I will say is just to, to go back to week nine, um, we were crossing off playoff teams. Um, and, and I'm just going to give you your list of playoff teams that you crossed off. So you, oh, crossed, man, off the Jets. you crossed off the Jets, which was a wise move. Uh, 
You crossed off your Broncos, the Dolphins, my Cowboys, <gasps> the Washington football team. You crossed them off. One loss for you. Uh, and the Chargers. You crossed off the Chargers. And um, I think we could see that Justin Herbert was good, but he wasn't probably quite good enough to carry that franchise to the playoffs. Um, I crossed off the Giants, the Falcons, the Jaguars, the Vikings, the Texans, and the Bengals. So uh, I, I feel so quite you got them all right. So I, I got them all right. Um, quite happy w- with that as well. Um, one thing that has happened um, since the end of the regular season is there have been a lot of movements um, in terms of coaches and GMs. Now, We'll touch on the Broncos in a minute, but there has been just so, so many changes. Um, if we go to the Jaguars, they've obviously announced that they've hired Urban Meyer. Um, that's a big hire as well. That is a big hire. I think that the Jaguars hiring Urban Meyer was a, it had to happen. The Jaguars have needed some excitement there in Florida. And I mean, people, fans of Florida, the Florida Gators, and you know they're very familiar with Urban Meyer. So I think that it's it kind of makes sense for him to go back to Florida um, at the NFL level. If he were to go back to go into the NFL, I, I feel like the Jaguars were the really the perfect fit. They have the number one overall pick. There's a really good quarterback that's available. So if Urban Meyer were to ever make the jump to the NFL, being in Florida getting the number one pick, it really just makes a lot of sense. Person, I mean, like he's a brilliant coach. He's a fantastic coach. Um, it'll be really interesting to see if he is able to take his coaching abilities to the NFL level. There's a number of coaches who, of college coaches who have tried. Uh, my Michigan man, Jim Harbaugh, is one that, that did pretty well uh, for, for a bit, it, you know, with the 49ers. But not every coach uh, can make the jump from college to the pros and continue to have success. Um, so that'll be something that that'll be really interesting to, to keep an eye on and, and see what he's able to do with that Jaguars organization. I mean, and just, you know, all, all personality and personal issues aside, I do think it's, it's kind of hard to trust Urban Meyer. Um, he, he, you know, he left Florida and retired once there and then came out of retirement because of, of scandals and, then he went back to Ohio State, took them to some national championships, and then retired again because of scandals. And um, I mean, it's—I just hope that he doesn't do this—the same thing to his new team. I hope he's able to remain scandal-free and um, kind of get the the Jaguars up to winning up to their capabilities because they—they um, they weren't out of the playoffs just just too long ago. Do you think? Urban Meyer maybe comes with a lot of baggage in that case. Um, if he if he's coming with scandal after scandal, um, especially at the college level, there's always NCAA investigations going on, and uh, player being players being paid, and suddenly a, a mother has a new house that um, they, they couldn't afford before. All these kind of things is, and now obviously playing or coaching. At the NFL level, he doesn't have to worry about that. He can quite happily play players. Um, but is could this follow him around and become an issue in terms of the media and, and how they kind of see him? 
You know, it's the, the, the interesting thing with, with Urban Meyer, especially like with his last scandal at Ohio State is, I mean, he, it wasn't him and his wife that were the, the subject of, you know, domestic abuse. It was, it was his employees and him kind of not um, stepping up and, and reporting it. So it kind of just turned in a blind eye. And I think that that is something too at the, at the NFL level where there is zero tolerance for, for any of that. And the second that you decide to, to turn a blind eye or if you uh, don't report something, there's major, major penalties um, for, for you and your football team and, and legal action too. I mean, that's always in there. But it's hard to, it's different coaching professionals because they're, they're getting paid to be there. Um, whereas in college, these guys are working so hard and will, you know, jump and you say how high, you know, or you say jump and they say how high because they want to get to the next level. Now these guys are getting paid and they're, they're make like you said, they're able to make the money. How, how much can you ra- get your team to rally behind you and um, get them to believe in you? If, if you're not practicing what you preach and if, if you don't have um, the best locker room, kind of mentality um, to really kind of bring the team together. It, you know, like I said before, it's different jumping from college to pros. And I'm, I'm really intrigued to see how, if, how he does. Um, I, like I, say, I, I like the Jaguars. I kind of feel like they're the darn, I don't know, the little darling of the NFL. No, you know, no one really <laughs> likes them that much, but God love them. They go out there and try. And um, I'd like to see them turn their, turn that organization around and hopefully he's the man for the job. So I'm just worried because obviously the Jacksonville Jaguars are, are soon to move to London um, permanently. <laughs> you know, is this the kind of coach that that London or the UK wants to have? Um, because domestic abuse, both sides of the pond, is um, uh, it's one of these things that is obviously more than frowned upon. Um, people can go to prison for it, obviously. Um, <laughs> And, and sports teams can give out pretty big fines. Um, it's the same in the UK. So it's not something that you can turn a blind eye to. Um, and you shouldn't um, for a well, start. I, you know what? Honestly, like, no offense, James, but I don't know if, if Urban Meyer would go to the UK. I think that if the Jaguars were to move, he might step down. I really do. Because I feel like the fact that he went to, to the Jaguars was for a reason. I think that he wanted to be back in Florida. So I... I don't know if he would want to be in the UK. So I, I guess that kind of rules him out of, of coaching any other team, which is probably good for the Jags because no one else really wanted that job. So that's, <laughs> that works for them. Um, another hire that I think is huge is a defensive coordinator for the 49ers. Um, Robert Sala uh, has signed as head coach for the New York Jets. Now, obviously, we both gave the Jets a hard time um, for keeping their coach as long as they did. Um, but this guy comes in with bags of energy. Like, you, you've seen him on the touchlines during the season uh, for the 49ers, and he is jumping up and down, high-fiving his guys, and he looks like just one big ball of energy. That is, for me, that's what the Jets need. They need someone who is going to jump up and down and motivate them. Is, is this the right hire for the Jets? I think this was the hire that the Jets desperately needed. 
they couldn't have picked a better guy to come in there and try and fix this, fix this team. The, I mean, around the league, there aren't that everybody loves him. The players love him. The coaches love him. Um, you can see his energy on the sideline, you know, jumping up and down and slapping hands and, you know, really being, you know, the, his team's biggest cheerleader. I think that this was the, and, and I mean, it was the perfect met fix for him, or uh, the per- perfect fit for him because they get the number two pick. And they, Sam Darnold, while he has struggled, Sam Darnold is, isn't that bad of a quarterback. And, you know, if, if the Jets are able to make a trade for Deshaun Watson, can you imagine if, if, he's, if they're able to get Deshaun Watson in New York too? So I think that that's, um, I, think that, I think this is a perfect fit for both sides. And um, I think this is just the perfect, uh, the perfect match because the Jets needed positivity and Sela brings that and everyone in, in the locker room loves him. Yeah, I mean, you can see you can see on the 49ers touchline that that energy that he brought was infectious, um, and he, he the rest of the guys were with him. And the 49ers didn't have the best of seasons. Um, not their fault. There was so many injuries, but the fact that you get hit with so much adversity, but yet you still see a guy jumping about the touchline. I, I think for the Jets, that's a great hire. Um, definitely someone going from Adam Gaze, um, who gazed into the light of something um he was just so dry and they're just totally switching up and i think it's a great great hire um there's a few other hires that are in there um so uh, the detroit lions have agreed a six-year deal with saints assistant head coach um dan campbell um that's quite a long deal for someone, I don't think he's been a head coach before, has he? So that's quite a long deal for someone that's new. Yeah, it's that that one actually kind of surprised me um, because, you know, he's he's kind of like a I don't know, like a, a CEO type of hire. He has he's never been a coordinator, but he's well respected and he's a leader um, and a motivator, and you know. That's that's one of the things, though. I mean, you don't necessarily need to be used to calling the plays um, in order to be a good motivator and a good leader. I mean, that's really what the head coach coach's job is: is to find the people to then be the coordinators and and you know call the right plays. Um, we saw, you know, with Bill O'Brien, when you try and take on too much, being the head coach and the offensive coordinator and the GM, I mean, things start to to fall apart, and so maybe this is kind of the perfect fit, you know, with, with him just being a good leader, he can find the right coordinators to come in and run the system that he wants to have and just be that strong leader. Um, I, I, I think it's, you know, we'll really see what kind of vision he, that he has for the lions when he does make those decisions as to who, who his coordinators will be. Yeah. It's a weird one. Um, He's not a name that I know really well, um, I have to be honest. So um, it's just a wait and see. And, and if I'm a Lions fan, I'm worried because if I'm a Lions fan, I wanted Sailor, uh, who went to the Jets. Like, I wanted someone with energy. Um, and they, if, he, if he's a CEO type, he's just going to turn up in a shirt and tie every day. Um, the team that 
I would have thought no one wanted to, the job for was the Houston Texans. The Texans haven't announced a new head coach. However, they have interviewed quite a number of people for the job. No one has either been offered it or taken it <laughs> quite as yet. Um, but if you know that Deshaun Watson's leaving and Hopkins left last year and... You know, there's Watt, so much turmoil. Maybe Watt's going to be leaving. Who knows yeah. about J.J. Watt sticking around? Is this the job? Is this a job that anyone wants? Or is this the most, like, job that just no one would touch with a 10-foot barge pole? Well, I mean, the, the job is appealing um, because of Deshaun, Deshaun Watson. He is still there, and he is under contract. Um and, you know, having a quarterback like Deshaun Watson, you know, it's it's very attractive. But the problem is the, the Texans front office and their mishandling after mishandling of, of situations there um, with personnel. Um, I mean, they they haven't done anything to really improve the, the roster for Deshaun. And I mean, if anything, they, they had a pretty solid roster and they just made it worse and worse. And then they apparently there was a a misunderstanding as to Watson being involved with the hiring process of the GM and his feelings were hurt because he wasn't consulted. And I mean, I guess if you are the, this is something that I don't understand because I'm not a franchise millionaire, but um, I just don't understand why I would never imagine being like uh, back if I was in the corporate world being like, okay, well um, I would like to decide who my boss is going to be. So please include me in the hiring process. I don't, uh, or actually it'd be, I'd like to decide who my boss's boss is going to be. Um, I don't know. I just, I don't really feel like, sure he might've wanted to have a voice in it, but really you're not obligated to, that they're not obligated to give you uh, an opinion in it. I mean, I wouldn't expect that at any other job. So, so why, because you're the franchise quarterback making millions, do you get a, a voice in it? I, I think like maybe with the head coaching decision, then I can understand why he would have his feelings um, hurt a little bit, but the GM decision, I don't, I don't know why um, he was so upset over that. I think that if they try to mend things and, you know, uh, fi- fix bridges with, with him, they would have him, heavily involved um, with the the head coaching search um, just to kind of be like, look, yeah, we do value you. And if that does happen, I I can see him staying with the Texans, especially if, you know, the Houston is able to land um, an interview or land uh, head coach, Eric um, Bellamy from, from the chiefs. So if they're able to get the chiefs, then I can see Watson sticking around. Yeah. um, It's a tough one. Um, I mean, you say that players don't get to pick who their coaches or, or GMs are, um, but LeBron James does it every year. Um, <laughs> so um, Frank Vogel's very lucky that he's, he's in the job. He's picking, he's picking, the, he's picking the, the head coach. He's not picking the GM. He's not picking well, no. his, his boss's boss. I mean, that's where, that's where I kind of think like, I'm like, okay, well, I get that you're kind of wish that you would have been included, but I mean, I don't understand why you feel like you should have been. Like the head coaching search, sure. Sure, if you wanted to, to sit in on those and make sure that you had the same philosophies and you wanted to have an opinion in it, sure. But the GM, it really kind of, I'm like, why? Why should you? Yeah, um, there is Robert Palenka, 
um, who is the GM at the Lakers, funnily enough, arrived at the same time as LeBron. Um, so it, maybe he did have a hand in, in that one. Well, and, and, and I know you want to move along, but I just want to say one more thing too. Maybe he does want to have a pick in who the, wanted to have a voice in who the new GM was because he felt so jaded from his last experience with Bill O'Brien. I mean, Bill O'Brien traded away his best weapon. And um, that is where it's one of the things though, where Bill O'Brien was taken on three roles. And um, traditionally, there is a reason why you have only one person do a certain job, because that way they can focus on their job the most and, and make make good trades and make good decisions, unlike the Deshaun Watson, David Johnson trade. So Sorry, not Deshaun Watson, um, DeAndre Hopkins, David Johnson trade. And so maybe that's why he wanted to have a hand in the GM choice just to be like, hey, are you going to trade away all of my weapons if you come here? Um, but I don't know. I just don't think that it, it really was his place to, to have an opinion in it. Yeah. Um, it does seem a bit far-fetched that you can choose your boss's boss. That that does seem a little bit out there. Um, there has been a big hire in the Mile High City. Um, the Denver Broncos have hired longtime Vikings assistant general manager and VP of personal or player personnel, George Patton. Um, he comes with 14 years with the Vikings. And he's, he's this is another long deal. It's six years. But in all fairness, I mean, he's, he's kind of been the number two for so long that he probably comes with bags of experience. Yeah, I, I was excited at how fast the Broncos filled this vacancy. Um, I, you know, I, I heard that he'd, I, since he has signed, I've been able to do a lot of reading on him. Um, and I guess he's been sought after for quite a while and he's never really wanted to, to leave his position in Minnesota, but you know, now that the time is right with, with the Broncos and, um, I mean, I'm, I know I'm biased, but I mean, it is a very good reputation, uh, organization, we do strive to have a very a winning reputation here in Denver. Um, you know, eight and eight seasons are not acceptable. And it's um, it's one of those things where I think that he he knows that. And he knows that he has some big shoes to fill with John Elway. John Elway here in Denver is like a god. You know, he has car dealerships and everything. So trying to step into John Elway's shoes is um, a tough task. But I think that he is the man for the job. Um, there's there's plenty of work to be done because, um, you know, John Elway, unfortunately, has created quite the hole here for the Broncos. I mean, we've missed the playoffs, you know, for the past five years. You know, we, we won, went to the Super Bowl in, uh, you know, two of the two of three years and won it. And then have just kind of ever since Peyton left, have kind of been trying to struggle to find our footing and really struggled at the quarterback position. Um Again, seeing Josh Allen continue to succeed is hard for us here in Denver, but um, this this is the kind of stuff that that Patton is all about. He he lo- he wants wants to have this kind of work. He's uh, you know obsessed with football, and um, this he said that this kind of felt like the right fit. And I think that um, I think that I think that he's going to fit in well here in Denver. And I think that uh, he's hopefully going to build a, a really strong team um, and maybe make a, a, a great trade for a quality quarterback like uh, Deshaun Watson. A girl can dream. <laughs> you can. Um, if only they hadn't given up Josh Allen. Um, <laughs> we will 
change gears slightly. Don't really usually talk about referees. However, this week, there has been some big news in terms of the Super Bowl officiating crew and has been put together. Um, it has a female on this crew. Now, I've been watching female referees in basketball, in the NFL, um, all over the place um, for a number of years. But this is the first time that one will be in the Super Bowl. Now, for me, this is it's 2021 and it's, it's kind of bittersweet because I think, first of all, why is it only taking them till 2021 to do this? Because certainly in the NBA, we've actually seen all female um, officiating crews and, and that works and it's great. Um, and it, So for me, it's a kind of bittersweet. It's great. She's got it absolutely over the moon for her. However, for the NFL, is this, I think they're just kind of a few years behind everyone else. Yeah, and you know what? I, it's very exciting. I think it's a monumental moment um, for women. And I think that, like you said, it's happened in the NBA before, but women can still play basketball on a professional level where it's not as common for girls to play football. It's still, I mean, I know that there's professional women's football teams out there, but I just think that it's, it's not really, um, it's, it's not as accepted still for women to be playing football. And, you know, I took an officiating course back in college and that was, I was the only girl in there. And I'm sure that the, the football coach, you know, the who was the, the instructor of the officiating course, thought I was just in there to find a boyfriend. But I mean, like, I was genuinely interested in it, whereas the other people in the class were all on the football team. And I knew more about the rules than they did. And even though I had never played it, they had been playing this game for who knows how long. And they didn't even know what some of the rules were. So I think that um, women genuinely do have a interest in the sport, but it is, it's a lot harder for us to kind of work up the ladder because there still is a stigma of, well, you can't play it. So how could you officiate it? How could you report on it? How could, you know, and, you know, we had Hannah on last week and, you know, it's just kind of continuing to break those barriers of what people think about women reporting um, on typically masculine sports um, and getting involved in it. But I think that officiating is just a little bit behind the sports reporting world. And uh, hopefully we'll, we will start seeing more women on the sidelines, but this is, this is a big deal to have a woman in the Super Bowl, And I gotta say, it's about time. I mean, it totally. It is about time. And, and I'm, as I said before, I am really happy for it. I think it's just a bit bittersweet that it hadn't happened before. Um, certainly, I played basketball. And here in the UK, because, there's, because of the, the way that the, the game is run here, um, you've always had female referees. And I'm, maybe I'm just acclimatised to it and I'm just used to it. Um, and obviously then seeing it in the NBA as well. Uh, but yeah, so... Bittersweet, but I'm totally happy for her. Um, I, I'm sure she is over the moon and excited and ecstatic to be doing it So, um, and to be involved. So, yeah, no, it's, it's a good news story. Um, there have been some retirements, so kind of bit sad news. Um, Drew Brees announced before the game that if they lost, it would be his last game. I have two, two, two thoughts on that. One is, why are you retiring before the game? <laughs> because... You, 
you're kind of just kind of making a rod for your own back there. Um, and two, it, it was sad because obviously he has now retired and there was some touching videos. Um, if anyone's seen them on like Instagram or Facebook, I'll try and post one up um, of, of him and, and Tom Brady kind of getting together on the field and kind of obviously having a family moment with their two families and having a bit of a laugh and stuff and maybe reminiscing. But it was just a nice kind of moment. Drew Brees you know, his career didn't start probably the way he wanted to, but he sure did have one hell of a career. Yeah, he really did. And I mean, it's, uh, who would have thought that he'd come back the way that he did after that injury? I mean, that's why the Chargers let him go. They, they didn't, uh, they didn't know if he'd be able to play again. And if you remember the saints were in need of a quarterback and so were the Miami dolphins. And uh, Drew Brees was a free agent and a Dante Culpepper was a free agent. Both of those quarterbacks were coming off of really uh, severe injuries. And um, the the Dolphins went with Dante Culpepper over Drew Brees because they didn't think that Drew Brees would be able to to come back and play um, at at a high level. And so they went with Culpepper. And so Brees then ended up going to, to the Saints and I think that it was the the perfect the perfect landing spot for him because he just 100% you know immersed himself into that city, you know there was Hurricane Katrina that happened and he did so much for the community and, and trying to build um, the, the the city of New Orleans back up and him and Sean Payton I mean they had some some trials and tribulations you know when Payton got suspended for the year um, but I mean when those two were on the field together they were. They were one of those perfect head coach quarterback quarterback combos. Um, they were always on the same page. I think during the broadcast at one point, they were saying that uh, Drew Brees' level of understanding of Sean Payton's play calling is just off the charts. All all that he would have to hear are the first two words, and he would already be calling the rest of the play. Like he knew exactly. They were just so on the same page, and so it's it was really great to to be able to watch Drew Brees play. Um, he was a great, I, I mean, I never met him, but I mean, he always seemed like a great guy and, um, gave it his all and just did his homework day in the day out. He was a super hard worker. First one to, to the field and wanted to win. And it showed, I, I agree with you. It was kind of odd for him to announce that this was his last season, um, before, before the game, but you know, he knows now that he left it all out there and, um, he had a great, great career. Yeah, he had a, such a good career and he was one of those players, like you say, like I, I don't think he was necessarily a locker room guy, but I think every player on that team knew that if they needed something, they could go and talk to him. Um, and, and I think I that think was something. I think he was respected. That, yeah. Yeah. Hell, I think he was respected so much that, yeah, he maybe wasn't the loudest guy in the room, but everyone just knew that they could go to him. Um, he just comes across as that kind of guy. Obviously, I don't know him either, um, but that's just the kind of guy he comes across as. Um, I wish I did know him. That'd be nice. But um, Breeze, if you're listening, man, yeah, just reach out. Um, <laughs> I'm on Clubhouse now, so it's fine. Uh, <laughs> um, another quarterback that just retired today um is Philip Rivers and um, this was something that had been hinted at um if they didn't make the playoffs and they made the playoffs so that was fine and then after they lost the wild card game he went silent and then he's taken till after the divisional games and um, to come out and and officially retire after 17 seasons um in the NFL 
is this is this kind of a, a passing of the torch this year where we're seeing a lot of older quarterbacks retire yep. to make room for the Justin Herberts, the Joey Burrows of the world? It's and I think it's going to be a completely different NFL. I really do. I think that um, we are kind of seeing the the changing of the guard and uh, you know, but Philip Rivers is the guy that took over Drew Brees' position when, when Brees got hurt. So it's, I find it really um, ironic that these two guys retired the same year. Um, and Philip Rivers was part of the, that big three, you know, when Eli Manning, Philip Rivers, and Ben Roethlisberger were all drafted in the same draft of 2004. So Eli Manning retired last year, Philip Rivers this year. And I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I think that it should happen, but with Ben Roethlisberger, maybe, maybe hanging up the cleats too. But, and I I also find it ironic that he's, he's Philip Rivers is retiring after 17 years because that was his number. That was his number when he was, was in the league was, was number 17. So I think that that's pretty cool. Uh, But he had a good opportunity to go back to his hometown in Alabama and be the head football coach. And he's going to be, I think he has what, like nine kids or something so he's going to be able to be at home with them and spend more time with his family at home um and you know I'm not I've never been in this at this crossroads before but I mean when you know it's time it's time and when there's an opportunity for you to you know you've you've made your money you've you've played you know you're you're still having fun you you feel like you can you could still play but you want to just be at home with your family and do something else that you're passionate about I think that you'd it'd be hard to not take that opportunity. Yeah, I, I took that opportunity when my knees gave out. Um, <laughs> um, basketball and knees just don't mix. Um, certainly not mine because they're now made of paper. But yeah, uh, not, not that I'm comparing myself to a professional um, uh, sportsman whatsoever. Um, but yeah, knees do that to you. Um, is he one of the greatest quarterbacks? Maybe not greatest, but one of the best quarterbacks never to win a Super Bowl. Well, I mean, because he was he was with the Chargers for so long, the San Diego Chargers. Um, the, my husband's from San Diego originally, so I had to watch a lot of Philip Rivers games, unfortunately, um, <laughs> over the years before the Chargers moved to LA, and then my husband finally became a, a Broncos fan. But that's neither here nor there. So I've seen Philip Rivers play a lot. I've never really been like the biggest fan of him. And I think it's just mostly because I was, you know, it's a division rivalry game, but I think that he does have a spot in the hall of fame. He, he never got a super bowl ring, but he was a fantastic quarterback. He never really, I don't feel like he ever was a, a guy that had his position in jeopardy. Um, Like there was never a quarterback competition around him he was a leader on the field I think that you know he's one of the best uh, trash talkers in the league and people enjoyed his unique style of trash talk and playing against him so I think that he's one of those guys that a lot of the guys in the league will miss and um, he definitely affected his teammates around him whenever he took the field he he got them pumped and ready to go and he was one of the most excited guys on the sideline yeah um I, I wasn't keen on Philip Rivers either um he, he just he seemed a bit boring um until this week um it, Sam Cardona of the Girl Who Talks Sports podcast um put a video out I'm sure it was Sam um and it was like Philip Rivers talking trash and I'd like I, in the UK I'd never heard it so um but yeah he was <laughs> he was talking trash so it, 
I was like, what? if, if I had heard that maybe 10 years ago, I might have liked the guy. Um, <laughs> this was the first I was hearing about this, so. Yeah, if, if you guys have never seen or heard how Philip Rivers talk, talks trash, it's it's very unique, um, and you got to yes. YouTube it. And, and it is family friendly, so you can watch it with the kids. So, <laughs> well, he has nine kids, and if he ever wants his kids to watch his football games, then yeah, I would imagine he would need to keep it family friendly. Um, what we will do is we'll take a short break, and we will be back um, and have a look at the games themselves that happened in the divisional games. Uh, we'll be right back after this. <laughs> So by now, you'll have seen our website, atpsports.net. You're going to admit, it's pretty awesome. It was brought to you by the team at Data Squared. You can find them on the web, datasq2.co.uk. They're dedicated to bringing you the very best in website design, hosting, and security. Their aim is to provide you with the very best package you need to help you spread the word about your business. Data Squared will design and build a website for you. And they'll build it not just for desktop, but for all devices so you can be seen on the move. Data Squared will help you choose your domain, making sure it's relevant to you and your business. And they'll open up an online store for you. They have the tools um, so you can keep track of customers, their orders, stock, and much, much more. So why not expand your business online today with Data Squared? Visit datasq2.co.uk. Okay, so we're back and we're going to look at the um, divisional round of games that happened at the weekend. Now, the first game we're going to talk about was Hannah Wilkes um, Rams. Um, they were beaten soundly um, by the Green Bay Packers. It was, I think it was the kind of game I actually expected it to be, um, hence why this was the only game I won at the weekend on guess the win margins. Um <sighs> The Packers just took a lead and just would not give up. Aaron Rodgers threw for 296 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. In all fairness, Goff didn't throw an interception either, but his yards were way down, 174 for him. Um, Cam Akers sort of showed up. Um, he got 90 yards and a touchdown from 18 carries, so he, he did all right. But it was the running game from uh, Green Bay that, Jones and Williams coming together. Rodgers manages to score a touchdown, even though he's lost three yards through the game, which was a funny stat. But um, but this was really a strong performance from an MVP. He is going to be the MVP. Um, and he just kind of... It was almost as if the game was just built for him to win and the Rams just didn't stand a chance. Yeah, and it's it's what we've been saying all year. Aaron Rodgers was was playing mad, and um, he's he's they have a strong team built around him. Um, Aaron Jones and you know Williams, they were both running. They they had a timeshare, but they still both were running great. Um, I think that uh, they even had who else? AJ Dillon. We had an AJ Dillon sighting, and he even was running the ball. So they were, they had a two, you know, they weren't just a one dimensional team. They were able to move the ball through the air. They were able to move the ball on the ground. I mean, they scored 16 points in the second quarter. And when, when that happened, it just, they didn't, they never looked back. I mean, but going into halftime, they had such a big fit, uh, lead that there was no reason for um, them to take their foot off the gas. And they just, their, the defense, for the Rams. I mean, we've been talking about how good that defense is. And 
um, there's there's a lot of weapons there in in Green Bay, and you, if, if you're able to stop the run, then they can beat you with through the air. So it it was a great uh, it was a great outing by by the Packers, and I think that they're man they're they're a tough team to beat this this next this next game against uh, the Bucks is going to be it's going to be really interesting really interesting because they're built very similarly. Yeah, um, I, I just thought. Green Bay just looked the part all the way through from start to finish. Uh, the game itself took the first quarter to get going, uh, but once the game got going, um, it was actually one of the one of the good games to watch. Um, one thing I did notice was Rodgers wasn't even sacked in this game. And one thing that Hannah spoke about last week was how good <laughs> the Rams' defense was. They didn't get near him. I mean, they seriously didn't get near him. So this was a – I think if you're the Rams – You've had a good season off the back of a, a quarterback who has ran so hot and cold um, that you're probably thankful that this is as far as you got. Um, and anything else was probably a bonus after the wild card round. So I think the Rams will have a lot to work on in the offseason. Um, and Green Bay just kind of, they just kind of march on um, and keep going. Um, another team that keep going are the, the Buffalo Bills. Now, um, Katie and Hannah both got this game. Um, I didn't because I'd uh, taken the Ravens. I thought, you know, Jackson might kind of do me a solid, but he didn't. Thanks so much for that, by the way. Um, three points. It's 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 a divisional uh, divisional game, and you score three points. I'm sorry, but on what planet do you go in a divisional game and score three points? Yeah, it, I mean, and they were tied at three to the first half. It was it was a battle of the defenses, really. And I think that we we saw Lamar Jackson just kind of get get shut down. There, there it was the the Bills' defense is what stepped up and and really won that game for the for them. I mean, it's it's Josh Allen had had a had a good game. But that Bills defense and being able to shut down J.K. Dobbins and Lamar Jackson, that that's what sealed the deal for them. And we've been saying all year that the the Ravens kind of felt like they were kind of just moving along in slow motion, and that there there should have been they should have had more uh, more energy around that team. But I mean, you know, Lamar Jackson only threw just just over 150 yards. I think he only threw for like 160 yards or something. And they were able to stop the running game between both him and JK Dobbins and um, Gus Edwards. There was, there was no running game. And when you can shut those guys down and contain Lamar Jackson and not allow him to run the ball, you will win the game. Um, And that's exactly what the bills did. So, man, I know I say this every week, but it's so hard watching Josh Allen do so good. And he's, he's got, He's got the Bills, you know, playing deep into the playoffs for the first time since, you know, 1994. So that, that's a, a big feat. And it's, it's exciting to see the Bills and Bills fans really kind of, uh, kind of step up and, and help uh, Lamar Jackson's uh, charity after he got knocked out of the game with a concussion. I think that, too, like as soon as Lamar Jackson got knocked out, it, the game was over. Um, and, you know, while – uh, Huntley came in and played really good. Um, especially, I mean, for a rookie, I didn't even, I thought that I was surprised to see him in there. I would have expected to see RG three or something, um, go in, but Huntley 
came out and put up a, a great performance, but he's, he's no Lamar Jackson. And the second that he, Lamar Jackson was knocked out, um, Bill's fans stepped up and started donating to Lamar Jackson's charity. And um, I thought that was really classy move by, by Bill's, by Bill's fans. So I didn't know that um, about the Bill's fans. Um, I don't think yeah. they reported over here. That's I actually think that really they, good. They, yeah. I think that they donated like $500,000 or something, but like the second that he got knocked out of the game, they started, uh, all the Bills fans like started tweeting and trying to donate to Lamar Jackson's charity in honor of him. So I thought, I was like, wow, that's really nice. <laughs> that is a really classy thing to do, especially from a team who have suffered so much um, without playoff runs and stuff. So um, yeah, that, that's a really classy thing to do. Um, I'm going to have to look into that more, but, um, but yeah, Josh Allen was amazing. As always, he, just so filled with energy. He's like a little pop-up rocket. You just like give him the ball and off he goes. Um, I was really bored through the first half. I have to be honest. I like defense, but even just watching defense play after play, yeah, I was getting bored. Um, so if anyone wants to watch highlights of this game, please start from the third quarter. Um, but it, it was a, a slow start, but it did get going and, Jackson going down. I think the reason they put in Huntley is probably because Harbaugh thought, you know what, if I put in RG3, he's only going to go screw it up even more. So at least if I put the rookie in, I'm not going to get shot down in flames for it. So um, I think that's that's my thinking as to, to why Huntley ended up in there. Um, another player who uh, ended up with a concussion was your human cheat code, uh, Patrick Mahomes. He is still in um, the protocol for concussions um, and still questionable um, whether he's going to play this weekend, but we'll talk about that a bit later on. Um, the Chiefs kind of just walked through the Browns. Um, this was a, another kind of slow burn, but the hero of the day wouldn't be the name that anyone would have thought before the game. Um, was Henny. Henny, Henny. Henny just kind of turned up and, you know, he did throw probably the worst interception in NFL history. Um, but <laughs> he rallied himself around and he he ran the ball, he threw the ball. Um, he, he actually did really well. I was quite surprised. Were you as surprised as I am? Uh, yeah, I mean, like Chad Henny sightings. I mean, that was something that, like, when we saw him, I think earlier this year, I was like, oh, yeah, I didn't. I can't believe he's still in the league. That's where he ended up. Um, you did see yeah, that. My, yeah, my former Michigan man, Chad Henney, he's he's still in the NFL. Um, but he had a great game, and I think that he stepped in, and um, he did have that terrible interception, but just tried to keep the, the, the lead for the Chiefs, not make any terrible mistakes. Um, but the second that Patrick Mahomes went out, you could see that there was life that was put into that Brown sideline. They instantly had confidence in themselves and they thought, you know what? My human cheat code is Patrick Mahomes is out. We might have a chance at this thing, guys. And they, man, they made it interesting. I, I was, I was at the edge of my seat, just kind of watching. And um, I was hoping that, that the Browns could pull it off. Um, like we said last week with Hannah, I mean, I'm not like the biggest Baker Mayfield fan, but I do like seeing the Browns getting better. Um, just like the Bills. I mean, these are two teams that have been bad for so long that when you see these teams kind of finally starting to turn their their their, their history around and 
playing late into the season, it's exciting for them. And you kind of want them to have that Cinderella story. So um, I think that, you know, we'll see if Patrick Mahomes is able to come back, but the, the Browns, they, they played a great game. They, you know, got down early. It was 19 to three at, at halftime and they battled back. And I think that the second that Patrick Mahomes went out, they, they really thought that they could win and they got pretty darn close. I do think too that well, and, and sorry to interrupt you. I do think too that that was a bad call with uh, Richard Higgins diving into the end zone and he fumbled it at the goal line. That was a helmet to helmet hit, and I absolutely think that they it should not have been a turnover on downs. I think that that's something that the NFL is going to need to look into for next year is having plays like that where it is a helmet to helmet hit and you see it on the replay. Um, have them call that and overturn it because that was a huge momentum shift for the Browns um, and, and the chiefs. I mean, the, the Browns were within scoring a, a field goal or, or a touchdown and suddenly it's chiefs ball on the 20. So that was a huge momentum shift. And um, if, if the refs would have called it right, it would have been the Browns ball still. So I think that, um, you know, players and, and, and uh, at game outcomes aside, I think that that's something that they absolutely need to incorporate into um, replay reviews next year. Okay, so thank you so much for taking away my next point. Um, <laughs> um, you, you've just taken over from Hannah for last week. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm totally in agreement. Um, as I said, that was my, my next point. The other helmet to helmet or not helmet to helmet um i was going to talk about what was patrick mahomes now when you see it live it looked horrendous and it looked like a really bad helmet to helmet when you see it in replay the helmets didn't touch there there was no helmet to helmet contact it's almost it was if it was his neck and mahomes's neck that was kind of getting trapped under the defender um and what was worrisome very worrisome was when Patrick Mahomes went to stand up and he just he just almost fell backwards. It was Kelsey, I think, grabbed him and pulled him back up to his feet. But he, his eyes, his pupils and his eyes were blown. Um, and there was a real fear. And obviously the fear came true because he didn't come back out. And now he's going through concussion protocols and stuff. So now one thing is that he is the face of the NFL. If he doesn't... I can't believe that the NFL, I know that there's all the things around concussions and everything else, but the NFL not allowing him to play Sunday, that, that's going to be huge if that happens. Surely they're going to go with a protocol and he won't play. But if he does play, surely there's going to be some questions asked at the NFL. And I think that, you know, I've, I've had concussions before I, I, up until COVID, I was still playing, um, we call what we call soccer here, um, in the U S I was still playing soccer, um, indoor soccer year round. And once I, I took a bad soccer, um, kick off the head and I got a severe concussion. Um, and I was out of work for a week, no electronics. I mean, I couldn't even, uh, and if you have a bad concussion, it is, it's no joke and it needs to be taken seriously. It, it actually worries me when I see guys that have had concussions 
and they, they stand up and kind of are stumbling and have that look in their eyes like Patrick Mahomes did, and then hear that they're practicing or that they're planning on playing because, you know, you, you only get one, one brain and concussions are, are, are no joke. And if you get too many of them, um, that's going to impact the rest of your life. I mean, look at Muhammad Ali, you know, it, and it's so, so sad uh, that, you know, I, I get it. You know, Patrick Mahomes is the, is your number one quarterback. You need him out there to help you win the game. But um, if it's your, if it's your health and your safety and especially your mind, you, you need to take a step back and really consider like, is this worth it in the long run? Because I think that Patrick Mahomes, you know, at 25, he's got plenty of more playoff appearances um, in, in his blood. And um, I think that if he's not feeling hundred percent, I would be ups, upset if they, if they rushed him back for this game, I get that it's important, but at the same time, like you only get one mind. Yeah. Um, I am of the opinion that he shouldn't play Sunday unless he's been che- seen by like three different doctors and they've got three different opinions on it and they all say that he should play. Um, and these should be independent doctors, not NFL. So, um, yeah, I'm totally agreeing with that because that's, I think we need him to play um, for, for sure. Um, just before we um, take the next game, we'll just take a short break. Okay, so back and the last game of the divisional rounds and it's a sad one. Um, Drew Brees, we already mentioned, uh, retired after this game or kind of retired before it, to be fair. Um, this was a really tough tough game to call um hannah couldn't call it at all last week um and i think we were both kind of split on it as well i said the saints by six you said uh, the bucks by three um so we did think it was gonna be close it turned out not to be it was a 10 point game and and tom brady does what tom brady does and and wins it in the fourth quarter and just kind of shows up um originally when i watched us live i watched the first half and i was like yeah, it's pretty good. Watch the third quarter. Yeah, pretty good. I'm going to go to bed. I'm quite happy. And when I woke up in the morning and seen that um, Tom Brady had just kind of ran wild for the last quarter, I was like, damn, I chose the wrong time to go to bed. Um, this was this was a really good game. Um, there wasn't a lot of yardage in it, but it just seemed to be a game that just kind of ebb and flowed quite well. There was scores in all quarters. Um just a really kind of a really good advert for the sport, I think, um, in terms of divisional games as well. Is that's going to be Tom Brady's last season? Like, if he goes out the next game, or if he makes it to a Super Bowl and wins another one, does he just phone up Bill Belichick and said, "Look, I could do without you. I proved it. See you later. I'm going to retire." I don't know. I'm kind of with John Murray, and he got to take the walker away from Tom Brady when for when he's going to retire. <laughs> You know, it was, it, I, he didn't, he's not showing his age. Like I think some of these other quarterbacks did this last year. I mean, like there was some times where, you know, he wasn't making um, really kind of the, the Tom Brady throws that were used to him, him making, but with, with Drew Brees, we could see it on his deep balls, Philip Rivers. You, I, I kind of had a feeling that this was going to be, it. I mean, like there's some of these guys where it's like, yeah, it's time where Tom Brady, I feel like maybe maybe one or two more years uh, or who knows, who knows, but I, I don't think that he's going to, to call it quits after this. Um, I mean, maybe if he wins the Super Bowl, but I don't, I don't know. I don't 
really foresee them beating the, the Packers. Um, but back to the to last week's game, you know, I feel really bad that Drew Brees' this last game, he had three interceptions because that's not Drew Brees' type of football. One of the things that with him is his accuracy. And he doesn't turn the ball over typically. Um, and a couple of those interceptions were, were not his fault. I mean, there was one where hit the guy right in the chest and it bounced up off his chest into the defender's arms. And I'm like, oh, really? So it it was a sad game for, I, I feel, for the Saints and for Drew Brees to end on because Michael Thomas was held without a catch. You know, Drew Brees ended up with three interceptions and only 130 yards. I mean, poor Brett Favre, I think he did his best as a Packer, a Jet, and a Viking to not end his career with an interception, but sure enough, Brett Favre did. And I, I, I kind of feel like uh, poor, poor Drew Brees because he just ended his, his career with a really subpar game for Drew Brees standards. Um, but the Buccaneers, they came out and their defense played phenomenal. Um, their, you know, Tom Brady only had 199, you know, passing yards. Their there wasn't a ton of um, Mike Evans in play. Um, Cameron Brait was the leading receiver, which who would have ever guessed that? I mean, if you're in Vegas and picked Cameron Brait to be the leading receiver, I'm sure you want a lot of money. Um, but you know that they have so many weapons there in Tampa, and they they can have their number two tight end be the leading receiver because if everyone else is covered, he's going to be open, and he's not a bad option. So it was it was a great game to for the Buccaneers side of the things, but I am really disappointed that Drew Brees kind of ended on such a, a disappointing note. Yeah, it was, it was kind of a disappointing note that he, he ended on. And I, like I said earlier, I think he made his rod for his own back by announcing he was retiring before the game. And I, I kind of think that he maybe had that in his mindset going into the game. Uh, maybe if he hadn't announced it, you know, maybe things turn out differently. Um, but I think when you announce something like a retirement, which is so big, you've had such a long career, a successful career, and you call it before the game. Uh, yeah, I was I was kind of disappointed that he did that, but um, obviously he had his reasons and, and it wasn't probably the best way that you want to go out. Um, talking about players going out, I mean, this weekend we have two games. We have some a game with two old heads, and a game with two young heads. Um, so you've kind of got the future of the league up against the the, the past of the league almost. Um, we'll go to the Packers and Buccaneers first of all. Aaron Rodgers has been phenomenal all season long. Um, I think he's had one bad game this year. The Buccaneers and Tom Brady does this every year. December, he just suddenly turns on and gets ready for, for the playoffs. This is Lambeau Field in the winter, and Tom Brady doesn't do well in the winter. Is this the year of Aaron Rodgers? I'm actually trying to Google and see what the weather is going to be this weekend um, for the Packers. So, I mean, it's not going to be that bad. It's it's cold. It's colder than Tampa. Um, but, you know, it's it's one of those things with the the – Packers they're they're used to playing in the cold and I think that I, I kind of wish it was going to be one of those snowball games so that it, it could just uh they could use that to their advantage man this is this is going to be an exciting game um I think that 
we've, like you said, we're, it's, it's, a, it's a couple of old dudes there in the NFC um, at quarterback that are, have been in this position before they've been to the playoffs before they've, they've, that they've been there, done that, and they know how to step up their game to get to that, you know, to get to that most important Super Bowl. Um, I think, man, it's just so hard because Aaron Rodgers is playing mad. And I think that that's, that's what the edge is going to be. I'm going to give the edge to the Packers because of Aaron Rodgers and the way that he's elevated his game this year. Um, Aaron Jones is, is running like crazy. Devontae Adams is playing great. You know, Lazard is, is a great second option. They're, they're just, Aaron Rodgers is making the right reads and their defense is stepping up and, and helping them um, and keeping them in these games. So I think I'm going to go with the Packers to win this game just due to the fact that um, they, they the Packers drafted a quarterback in the first round last year. So I'm taking the Packers by 10. Um, and I'm just going with that because I just can't see past angry Rogers. I think he, like you say, drafting that quarterback really did the Packers like the best thing ever um, and reignited Rogers. Except for wasting a first round pick. <laughs> well, maybe wasting a first round pick, but if you win a Super Bowl <laughs> after wasting a first round pick, it may be. It was maybe worth it. Um, still have to win the Super Bowl, of course. Uh, so yeah, I'm taking the Packers by ten. What do you? What is your fancy for this one? Uh, I'm going to take the Packers by three. I think that it's going to be a, a really close game, and um, you know, you you can't ever count out Tom Brady, but uh, Aaron Rodgers is is a man mad, and I think that there he's going to lead his team to the Super Bowl. I think Tom Brady is very lucky that this game is as early in the day that it is because the forecast for later in the day is a lot colder. Um, so I think he's he's probably a bit fortunate that it's, uh, it is that earlier game. Well, and it's not like Tom Brady's never played in the cold before. I mean, he was with the Patriots forever. But, uh, I mean, the cold in, in Lambeau is, is a different cold. You know, they got that, it, it, it's cold there and they sometimes, are, you know, they're playing in a couple inches of snow. So um, I think that I do kind of wish it was going to be those kind of conditions, but uh, the Packers, yeah, I, I just, my gut says the Packers. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that one as well. Um, the other game then is the young heads, um, Josh Allen and potentially Patrick Mahomes, um, depending on how protocol goes with concussion. Um, I, I'm going to be honest. I took the Bills, thinking Patrick Mahomes was playing. Um, I took the Bills by three, um, because I think Josh Allen is probably the hottest quarterback, um, in the league this year. Um, I think he's just elevated his game so so much. Um, I know I gave him a hard time last week, and I said he was terrible before this season. Um, Hannah rightly pulled me up on. Um, but I really think that he's turned his game like at a 180 and he is just going in a totally different direction. He has got weapons that he's never had before, Stefan Diggs. And I don't know. I, I think if, if Patrick Holmes went, it does play. It's a really close game and it is that three points. And if Henny plays, then it, it potentially could be quite a big score, um, depending on how the Chiefs' defence do. 
Um, but the Chiefs' defense isn't isn't the greatest um, in the league. And defense wins championships at the end of the day. And I think the Bills probably win the defensive game. Um, is it going to be down to whether Patrick Mahomes win, uh, plays or not that wins the game? Well, the Chiefs, unfortunately, are getting hit by the injury bug at the worst possible time um, with Patrick Mahomes getting the concussion. And then, you know, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, he missed the game with his with his quad injury. And then Sammy Watkins um, was was out with a calf injury. I mean, like that, not that Sammy Watkins is, you know, Tyree Kill or anything, but that's, he's still a pretty darn good receiver. And um, I just think that they're. They're getting hit by the injury bug at the worst possible time. Now, all of those guys did practice on Wednesday, so that is something to to say. But it's those are three big playmakers that they could potentially be without. And we saw the, how the how the Chiefs' running game was without Edward Hilaire in there. I mean, yeah, what a disappointment Le'Veon Bell has been. Um, yeah, I I I guess maybe that the Jets were fine just letting him walk away he has lost a, a step or two but um I I like the fact that you picked the Bills because I can I feel like they believe in themselves so much and they want this so bad I like that you picked the Bills I just I really just can't get past Patrick Mahomes and um I mean if he's if he takes the field I, I have to go with the Chiefs. Um, I mean, they did lose to the Raiders in the you know <laughs> in the regular season, so I mean, it's not like they are you know invincible. But I just think that uh, the, the Chiefs have a have what it takes um, with with those guys on the field. Chad Henney takes the field. I I'm with you. I think the Bills will take it, but I think that Patrick Mahomes is going to rush back and try and get out there, and um, I'm going to go with the Chiefs by three. Okay, so Chiefs by three. Uh, like we've said before uh, earlier in the show, and now I kind of hope he, he, they don't rush him back, um, and not because I want the Bills to win, but just because for his for the for the future of the league, he is has become the face of the league. Um, he's on cereal boxes. His face is on computer games. Um, he has become that face of the league that everyone looks to. Um, and so I really hope that they don't screw him up um, because if he takes the field and he takes a bad sack and his head's involved in that sack, um, then that could potentially end his career, and that's not what you want to see when he's such a young guy. Was he 24, 25? Um, so that's not what you want to see. Um, so I really hope that someone's sensible head goes on, Roger Goodell, and uh they, they make sure they do everything they can possibly do to make sure that if he does play, that he is 100% fully fit and not going to risk um, what could be quite a, a Tom Brady-esque career because um, he is that good. Um, that's the football pretty much covered. Um, obviously, we have Super Bowl in a couple of weeks and there's no Pro Bowl this year because um, of COVID. Um, so that is that's pretty much almost the season next week we'll bring you another show um, where we'll kind of look back at the season um, that has has kind of come and gone um, but for the moment Katie have you got anything you want to plug this week nothing nothing for me to plug this week I mean you know it's if 
if you're on Clubhouse, James and I are actually both on there now and looking forward to, to hosting a couple rooms uh, about sports with him. So if you're on Clubhouse, be sure to follow me. I'm at Katie Brinkley and, and James is on there too. Um, and then connect with me on social media. Shoot me a DM if you have any questions regarding your social. If you want me to take a look at anything, I'm happy to, to give some insight and advice to you. I'm at next.step.social. Awesome. And we shall uh, speak next week. Thank you so much for joining us uh, for the show. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, big games this weekend. Huge games. Um, the old heads against the new heads. Um, so we should make that a meme. Um, do join us uh, next week. Um, we've got the NBA show coming up on Sunday on this podcast uh, with Ryan uh, and a guest. Um, and then um, on Monday, we've got the across the pond nhl podcast with its third episode um first two episodes have been pretty damn good so uh although i do like their outtakes they're pretty good um, i get to listen to them as i edit which is quite fun um so those guys are having a laugh making that that show for you so um, if you like the nhl do have a listen to them if you want to follow us on social media do so um, we've got our own facebook group across the pond sports podcast uh, we have uh, ourselves on Instagram across the pond sports podcast and on Twitter at ATP sports pod and uh, we're also now on clubhouse as Katie mentioned um, at ATP sports um, so again follow us there as well if you're on clubhouse and, and connect and if you want to be a guest on the show um, it seems to be the thing um, on clubhouse people are connecting and um, guesting around shows and we've got a few guest spots that myself and Katie are going to be doing um, apparently over the next few weeks um, and the NHL guys are going to go on Brandon's sports pod or sports show uh, so look out for that when that happens um, but for the moment um, thanks so much for listening and uh, I will be back with Katie next week, uh, don't forget to listen to our other shows, uh, they will be out over uh, just after the weekend or during the weekend and uh, have a great weekend everyone and enjoy the football Sports Social Podcast Network.